This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. All right, let's get this show on the road. What are we doing today? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Today we are reading Empire's End. God, I hope so. Issues number one (laughs) through two, the final part of the Dark Empire trilogy. It was written by Tom Beach, though Mike Beadler did help with issue number two. We do have a new artist in Jim Bakey and a new letterer in Lois Buhalas. Dave Dorman returns as the cover artist. Empire's End issue number one was published in October 95, and issue number two was published in November 95. This is the only time that Jim Bakey and Lois Buhalas have worked on a Star Wars project. Besides helping with issue number two, Mike Beadler has helped with several other Star Wars projects, including Lightsider, a Star Wars manuscript, Galaxy of Fear, The Hunger, Rebel Dawn, and more. On these projects, he's usually helping flesh out the plot, character development, and technical aspects of ships like the Millennium Falcon. Huh. That's interesting. Though I haven't been able to confirm it, I've long suspected that Empire's End was originally supposed to be six issues, like Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, and just a quick search on the internet shows a lot of other people with that same idea. Um, and some actually act like this is, in fact, fact. So I'm willing to believe it. The ending of the series feels very rushed, similar to how Courtship of Purchase Life felt. Besides finishing up the Dark Empire storyline, this comic needed to lead into Jedi Search, which had already come out in 1994 and is the next story in the timeline. Our next novel episode will be about Jedi Search. Empire's End picks up pretty much where Dark Empire 2 left off. Pinnacle Base has been destroyed and the Rebellion is trying to figure out its next steps. You haven't exactly enjoyed the Dark Empire season as a whole, I think that's fair to say. Hours of my life I'll never get back. Were you looking forward to finishing it? Yes. <laughs> uh, you you did warn me in your sort of offhand way that we were going to be entering kind of a, a rough era over the next year. I did. I just, I you have to set my expectations so much lower than what you managed to set them at. I thought I set them pretty low. You didn't. You didn't do it well enough. Okay. Well. This is your fault. No, I'm kidding. Okay, when we get to uh, Crystal Star, it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) that better for your expectations? Yeah, I just, I don't need to, here's the thing. I I feel like I'm pretty well versed in Thomas speak. Like, when you say, well, the best we can hope from this is that it will be sort of fun. I know that what you actually mean is, or what it will translate to for me is, this thing is going to be absolutely terrible. With maybe some fun parts in there. Yeah. But sometimes I'm still working on my little, like, translation guide. And Ten years later. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I was just feeling particularly hopeful the day that we recorded the look back and talked about what was to come. Well, lesson learned. I'll never feel hopeful again. <laughs> my soul is dead. The world is awful. I hate everything. I'll <laughs> tell you really I mean, do I ever not? (laughs) Am I pulling punches? (laughs) Yeah, I was looking forward to being done with it. I mean, what I'm not looking forward to is having to feel any repercussions of this in the future. And the good news is, so minor spoiler for Jedi Search coming up, a lot of what happens in this series is magically undone. Uh Uh-huh. The Republic is already back in control of Coruscant when that starts. 
And like they reference some battle taking it back, but we never actually see that. That's the thing I assume was supposed to happen in Empire's End, seeing the Republic take back Coruscant, which mm. doesn't happen. So it's just kind of like they mention struggling with cloned Emperor and move on, basically. I'm sure they also like because you've not so subtly hinted at it before. I'm sure that there's stuff about like Anakin and the bad touch and Palpatine's there is, but not dogged pursuit. At least I don't think in the next book immediate because he's still so young. Okay, he's, he's too young to be a major part of that book. Still potato shaped. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's Jason and Jaina who we're going to see much more of in the next book. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, oh, they're fun. Okay. Three PO has to look after them and deal with them. It's kind of hilarious. I will say I am definitely now in a mindset where I've been rolling around in the trash heap already, <laughs> so I have momentum. So I'm like, if you'd only given me Dark Empire and then dangled Jedi Search in front of me, I would have probably been like, no, I don't want to continue doing this. But because I've been forced to read Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, and Empire's End, and now I'm like morbidly curious about what else could be in the trash heap. I feel like I have to go digging around some more. Jedi Search is better than this. Okay. It is. The bar is really low, though. I know. So anyway, what I'm saying is I I really want to get to Jedi Search, but I'm also afraid. Fair enough. So afraid. <laughs> Live in fear. <laughs> remember, my Kevin Ray Anderson, he gave us hat. We, we both really like hat. That's true. Sweet, sweet hat who was well, unshot, but still. Man, I am so depressed. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think you've read this one less than Dark Empire and Dark Empire 2. but Significantly less, yes. But you've read it multiple times. It's short. It's a quick, easy read. So like I mentioned before, Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, I had the audio dramas. I never did for this. I don't actually even know if one was even made for this ever. I mean, it was a weird choice to make audio dramas for the first two so i wouldn't blame them if they decided to nix that part of the process <laughs> but yeah like, i tracked this down at some point years later so i had read dark empire Two. i'd read the jedi academy trilogy which jedi Church starts so i knew that this ended with palpatine being done with like there were no surprises when i eventually finally read this years down the line mm-hmm. but yeah i've read this it, it's short so half dozen times maybe more maybe less i honestly am not sure on this one other than multiple is my answer. So you tracked it down years later. Does that mean you were like a teenager by the time you read it? Early teens, preteen? Uh, I would say preteen to early teen. I didn't buy or receive a ton of Star Wars comics over the years. I know I had Dark Empire 1 pretty early on. I had Shadows of the Empire pretty early on. I had a lot of the old Tales of the Jedi comics pretty early on. But those were the most... I think that was most of the collection I had. I didn't get a ton of other Star Wars comics. So... Exactly when I would have read this, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, but late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere in that time frame. Okay. But it's one I never really came back to a lot. Like, at that point, I wasn't reading Dark Empire very often. I wasn't listening to the audio drama the way I had for the first couple of years of having it. There was so much other and, frankly, better Star Wars content for me yeah. to consume. Like the New Jedi Order. Like the Thrawn trilogy. Like the, Thr- the Hand of Thrawn duology. Like so many other things. Which, to be clear, those things were available when you were first introduced to... New Jedi Order was not, and Throne Duology was not. But Throne Trilogy was. Yes, but that was kind of at the point where I was... You were too young. 
I mean, I think you were too young for this too, but like, I, I, I guess I'll take that up with Karen next I'm time. Trying I see to think, her. was I reading novels at eight? <laughs> Maybe. Were you? What kind of question is that? Of course, you were reading novels at yeah, eight. I was. So I, I could have read the Throne Trilogy. Maybe not this. like that kind of novel. I couldn't. I wouldn't have gotten everything in it. Is what I would say. Yeah. But I'm. I I'm guessing shortly after reading after listening to Dark Empire, Dark Empire Two, I probably got the Thrawn Trilogy pretty soon after that, and the Jedi Academy Trilogy, and yeah, yeah. So I just went from there. So were you looking forward to rereading this one? Yeah, I was. So like I've said before, I generally like Dark Empire, Dark Empire Two better than this one, and I wanted to see if that was still true or if that was just the nostalgia talking. And I I think of the three, I prefer Dark Empire the most. Mm-hmm. And then for Dark Empire 2, Empire's End, there are aspects of both I like, and aspects of both I'm just like, if you'd done something different, I, this would have been a lot better. So they're they're about on the same level for me, I would say. I like with a lot of things, like with Courtship, I would have liked to see the full story if there was supposed to be a more full story, just to see what could have been different. Mm-hmm. You're a real masochist. Completionist is the word you're looking for, thank you very much. They're the same thing <laughs> in this context. <laughs> There's no difference. Fair enough. I see no difference. Well, should we get to issue number one? Yeah, let's knock this baby out. Let's get it out of here. Send it on its way. <laughs> As with Dark Empire and Dark Empire 2, Empire's End starts with an opening crawl. So in the opening crawl, it talks about Anakin's birth. It talks about with the galaxy gun, Palpatine reasserting his dominance over the galaxy. With his toy gun. Yes, yes. No planet, no space fleet is safe from the destructive power of lightspeed projectiles that can stop nucleonic chain reactions anywhere in the galaxy. This is so funny. This is such an 80s take on space warfare. Like the idea that you send a missile through hyperspace, you know? Yeah. It's also something about the sequel trilogy. Like, in my mind, Starkiller Base, very much influenced by the galaxy gun. Yeah, of course. I think we talked about that. I think we did, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, so you know how Star Wars has that particular technological flavor that just feels like the seventies and eighties. The seventies and eighties diverged in a different direction. Like the tapes in A New Hope and yeah. then eventually Rogue One. Like, yeah, like they are scientifically sort of more advanced than us, but in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Because people in the seventies and eighties imagined always having like data tapes, and somehow that's just going to be baked into your society yeah it's just i like that aspect of star wars so while i don't like the galaxy gun i'm kind of cool with the light speed projectile well, the, the idea of way. it makes a lot of sense but the name is just silly yes the the design has an internal consistency with the star wars aesthetic which yeah. i can appreciate i, I think i prefer star killer base to this because i like the name better mm-hmm. but there's a lot of similarities between, the, between both that both works and doesn't work yeah i mean i think i like the name star killer base better too but honestly they're both pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) that was luke's original name well star killer as a name is pretty extra but that's fine but also it follows the naming convention for imperial weapons like star destroyer death star star killer would have been a very different story if his name was luke star killer yeah anyway I'm just so desperate to get off topic and away from this comic. (laughs) 
So it talks about the Rebellion being on Nespus 8, Mon Moth, whatever else, trying to figure out what their next steps are, and eventually to try and take on the Galaxy Gun, because that's going to be a, a very hard thing to do. And Luke and a small band of Jedi need to protect Leia's children, and, you know, face the Emperor and somehow defeat him. Good luck! There's a lot about how Leia's children are the future of the Jedi, mm-hmm. right? Which is... <laughs> It's also just this very, like, 90s take on what the old Jedi must have been like. Yeah, so... Like, the lineage thing. Yeah, that's it's a very early to mid-90s idea in Star Wars of Jedi lineage. We see it with Horn Horn. We're going to see this in the Jedi Academy trilogy. We saw it with Cam Solasar. Exactly. There's a number of characters... Obviously Luke. Yeah. He practically doesn't even count. But <laughs> I, I, I think that that 90s idea of Jedi lineage came from Luke himself. Of course, because the only Jedi we knew, besides Obi-Wan and Yoda, who are basically the kind of creatures that spring fully formed from the head of their creator. Yoda, especially. Like, the new Jedi are descendants of the old Jedi. Luke and Leia are descendants of Vader. Like, that's all that they had to go off of, and they were like, okay, it's a family thing. Jedi must have been doing it, and having the kids. (laughs) Jedi must have been doing it. I guarantee you Jedi are doing it. Oh, yeah. You've read the High Republic. <laughs> yeah. They... <laughs> Elzar Man, anyone? <laughs> anyway. The, the Jedi Order is really a mess. <laughs> the story opens on Ossus with the Asana guarding the library for Luke. They are coming to realize they accept they are descended from Jedi, yet another example of the Jedi lineage we just talked about. Though with them, I'm more accepting of it. Some Jedi got stranded on this planet, or hid on this planet. And broke with the main tradition. Yeah. And also thousands of years ago, that tradition could very well have a difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this, I'm like, this is fine. It's the more recent lineages that are like, Lucas was just signing off on anything. He just didn't care. What I love about Korra in particular is how like, Corinthian and Jedi, they kind of just did their own thing. So like, whatever, have a kid. <laughs> I've just always <laughs> loved that idea that Corinthians are so independent that even the Jedi Order were like, fine, do what you want. I just really like that idea. They probably came up with some, you know, that one guy on the council who's allowed to. Kiadimudi? Yeah, because his species is like. It's like one in seven or male or something like that. Yeah, so he has a pass, just a free pass to, you know. Continue his species. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Corellians are probably came up with some similar, like, religious <laughs> exemption, you know? Corellian, I do what I want. Yeah, Fine. that's my exemption. I'm Corellian, I do what I want. <laughs> okay, anyway, the Asana are descended from Jedi, and they've come to accept that, sort of. And that the ways of the Force are open to them as well. So through the Force, a group of Asana are meditating together, and they learn that, sadly, Jem has died. Who? Luke's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Yes. Just saying. She was present for so little time. It's like, yeah. uh, who cares? They sense the dark side growing and realize that 100,000 rebel warriors are about to die. Which is oddly specific and very ominous. It is oddly specific. It's also a number that... So the scope of the rebellion always confuses me. <laughs> Fair. Because we only ever see them in these very small situations and circumstances. Like, the only time we really get an idea of the scope, I think, is Battle of Endor. Mm-hmm. With all the capital ships they bring. And even then, the number of capital ships they have, to me, doesn't seem like it would translate to 
hundreds of thousands of people. I think it could. So a Star Destroyer, I think, I was just reading Jedi Search, that said holds something like 35,000 troops. Okay. Or per- personnel, sorry, not troops, but 35,000 personnel. So if a rebel cruiser is maybe not quite that large, but it can hold twenty to 30,000, mm-hmm. and let's say they've got 10 cruisers like that, that's three, two to 300,000 people. Sure. Plus fighters, plus ground troops. I can believe somewhere in the, especially at Endor, several hundred thousand. The scope both seems like, like too big, like I just said, but also too small, given the size of the galaxy, yeah, right? It's like trying to conceptualize the space between solar systems or between galaxies. Like, there must be so many people in the Star Wars universe, yeah, and 100,000 seems like a pittance for the war effort. It's wild to think about. So one thing I really liked in New Canon was the book Twilight Company. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think that book... Certainly better than the original trilogy, and possibly better than any other book does, to me, a good job of showing the true scope of the war, because we're seeing soldiers on the ground in different locations and different situations. Yeah. And you really get the sense of, like, oh, it's not just Yavin, Hoff, and Endor, but it's battle after battle on world after world, and how many people did this really impact and affect over the years. Yeah, I've started to think of Yavin and Hoth specifically as places where the leadership is, and yeah. so they have a contingent around them, but the bulk of their forces are certainly, well, at Yavin, maybe at that time the bulk of their forces were there. Yeah. Or maybe they, I don't know. A lot of their forces. A lot of their forces were there, because it was a big deal that they lost so many yeah. X-Wing squadrons, for example. But maybe a bunch of their ground forces weren't there. Yeah. Because really, they weren't on Yavin to fight. They were just... To hide. Chilling. But also, who knows how many ground forces they had at that point. And a number were lost in Rogue One at Scarif, of course. In New Canon, that is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. In Deep Space... The Alliance warship Pelagia is joining with an X-Wing fighter squadron from the Otega system. The Pelagia holds 100,000 ground troops. There's that number. Yeah. That very specific number. (laughs) And is taking them to the outer rim where the Rebellion has an Imperial shipyard under siege. Lando is calling to tell them that they have been targeted by the Galaxy Gun and have 10 minutes to enter hyperspace. Unfortunately, docking procedures aren't complete and it takes the ship 30 minutes to enter hyperspace. So Lando tells them to hit it with everything they've got and, well, pray to the Force. Hit the missile, that is. As the missile exits hyperspace, the X-Wings attack it, but they are unable to stop it. I should also note that the shipyard that's under siege, I think this is the really only mention in in these two issues. I think it's the thing that would have been added if this had been a full six-issue run. Yeah, perhaps. Small probe droids follow the missile and transmit images back to Biss, where Palpatine witnesses the destruction of the Pelagia because he's just a... Voyeur? Yeah, basically. I was going to say Peeping Tom, and then I was like, well, that sucks because your name is Tom, so I'm not going to say that. Thank you. (laughs) The representatives of several planets and systems are watching with Palpatine, and after seeing the weapon's destructive power, they bow to the Emperor. So actually, there was, like, a reason for him to be broadcasting it. It's a little bit better than his personal gratification. However, Palpatine is upset that they wouldn't have joined him earlier, and it took this show of power for them to bow down to him. Mm Mm-hmm. As he rants and raves, it's clear that something is wrong with him, especially because his physician keeps advising him to calm down and control his emotions. Good luck with that one, physician. Call him Palpatine? Not with the prequels. (laughs) Yeah. 
After unlimited power, he just went all for it. I don't think so. I mean, he seemed pretty cool and collected in Uh, Return of the Jedi. Apparently, Palpatine's cloned body, the one he took over in Dark Empire 2, is aging too fast. Luke destroyed the best clones, and Palpatine has had to sell for an inferior one. Also, keep in mind... One that is genetically unstable. Yeah. Besides Luke destroying his clones, also some of his followers to kill some of his clones. Like, this is the last body he's got left. This is it or else. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. The Emperor's spies informed Palpatine of the location of the Rebels' new base on Nespus 8, and Palpatine directs the galaxy gun to obliterate it and thus end this war. On Nespus 8, Han and Chewie are restoring the Falcon to its former self. Han says that Chewie is especially happy to have his Arakid missiles back. R2, the hero of our hearts, and Star Wars, says that an Alliance technician has installed an Imperial homing beacon on the Falcon. 3PO, of course, repeats this out loud, and the technician goes to shoot the droid. Han arrives just in time to get shot at, and then Chewie decks the technician. Chewie gonna Chewie. Before an evacuation can begin, one of the Galaxy Gun's missiles exits hyperspace at Nespus 8. The rebellion starts to evacuate, but it's clear they're not gonna get out in time. Han and Leia are taking the kids into the Falcon and just trying to flee. The Alliance does have some new guns of its own, Kuat V-200s, Ion cannons that can supposedly penetrate any shield known to the Empire. Unfortunately, but perhaps unsurprisingly, the guns don't work, and the missile plows into the hangar, coming to rest in the hull of a Calamari star cruiser. Han and Leia see the missile sitting there and realize it must have some kind of timer and just rush even faster to try to get out. It didn't go off, it didn't go off! We've got a chance! Run, run! But it keeps not going off, so some... Brave or stupid, or both rebel techs go over the missile and discover that it's actually just a dud. The galaxy gun failed this time. That's lucky. Uh Uh-huh. The one time that it would have been really useful for it to work. The will of the force. Sure. The evacuation continues, knowing that Palpatine will surely send another missile once he learns of this one's failure. So I think this is actually another area that would have been expanded upon. If this was a longer series, Nespus 8 specifically is what I'm talking about. I think we have seen more of it and not just have it be targeted and evacuated immediately. Immediately, Like they just got there. (laughs) Yeah. Another missile is quickly fired, but the Rebellion is able to get away just in time. (laughs) Woohoo! Palpatine, of course, is furious over the gun's failure. He is once again advised to calm down. He has no other clones, and anger will only accelerate the death of his current body. Palpatine needs to forget about the Rebellion for now and build new clones. He directs Zekker Nist to go to Ossus to capture the descendants of the Jedi that still live. He also has his spies keeping an eye out for the Solo children, as he thinks that Jedi blood will help stabilize his future clones, so... That's not creepy. Gotta have a blood drive. For now, he'll board his newly finished flagship, the Eclipse 2, and head somewhere else to restore his body. The Eclipse 1 of it was, of course, lost in Dark Empire when his own force was torn back on it. Eclipse just doesn't seem like a very Empire-y no? name for a ship. Again, I think it's one of the things for me that I've known forever, so it's always felt like an Empire ship name to me. It's just, there's nothing particularly menacing about an Eclipse, as long as you're not, uh, like... Staring directly into it? <laughs> no, I meant as long as you're not, like, an ancient person who has no idea what's happening. You know, mm. like eclipses were really scary. You mean like thousands of years ago? Yeah. yeah. But an eclipse, I would think in a post-space society, almost has like no meaning. The Alliance meets back up in deep space to discuss their next move. 
Luke and his team of Jedi will head to Ossus and tell the tribe of Jem's death. Pointless. They already know. Rafe will also show them caves they used to hide families in during the Sith War as a potential spot to hide Leia and the kids. Better reasoning. They hope that if they hide there and are discovered by Palpatine, he won't destroy the planet because he'll want the Jedi artifacts in the library that's there. Fair bet. Luke also tells Han and Leia to take the kids and go into hiding. Mon Mothma orders the rest of the Alliance to disperse so that they aren't an easy central target for the Emperor. Smart move. Yeah. They do have, like, one or two ships that are, like, going to be central hubs of communication. In deep space. That will communicate with everyone. And I'm always like, it's just one or two. That seems way too easy to knock out that communication system. They probably didn't want to spare room to it, but I would bet that they have a backup, like, dead drop system or something. I'm sure they do. Or plans to set one up, at least. Yeah. On Ossus, the Empire has already started rounding up members of the Asana tribe, including Chief Akko. As Luke, Cam, Rafe, and Brand arrive, they see the Empire leaving, heading for Vajun. They land and are told that Akko and two others have been kidnapped. Zekker Nist says the Emperor plans to build his new cloning tanks at Bast Castle on Vajun, which is where they are now. Luke and the others arrive at Bast Castle, and they sacrifice one of their ships and have it rammed into shield doors so they can get in. Because remember, Cam knows where this is because of his time with them, so he leads them to it. Ah, yes. His suspiciously useful time as a Dark Jedi. Yep. The fight begins between the Jedi and the Dark Jedi. There is a statue of Vader prominently displayed in the castle, and Luke and the others force push it over, crushing many of the Dark Jedi and thus ending the fight. Thanks, Dad. Easy peasy. They take Nist prisoner. They also find the body of Akko and the others encased in carbonite, but there are no controls on the carbonite. Nist says that only the Emperor can unfreeze them. Luke says that he will defeat the Emperor. No problem. Issue number one ends here. Assuming that he doesn't take the like nearest opportunity to turn dark side like immediately. Yep. We just rewatched the um, Mortis arc of Clone Wars very recently. And us and our friends were all joking that Anakin takes the like the first opportunity to go dark side when it seems like it might be profitable to him. <laughs> like father, like son. Yep. <laughs> Palpatine has gone to Korriban. There, he travels to the Valley of the Dark Lords. It has been ten years since he was last here, and he can still feel the dark energy of this planet. He believes that the Sith Necropolis can halt the decay of his clone body until he can have new clones built for him. And I could be wrong, but I think this is actually the first time the word Sith is used in this series, isn't it? Because it definitely wasn't in Dark Empire. I don't think it was in Dark Empire too. I feel like they just use Dark Cider a lot. They do. Because, at least for Dark Empire, Sith wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. Dark Empire 2, I don't remember if Sith was a thing or if they mentioned it, but yeah, this is, I think, the first time that was mentioned in this series. Hmm. Interesting. Things are finally starting to connect together. No, they're not. (laughs) The dead Sith Lords speak to Palpatine, saying that Vader's throne remains empty and asking if Palpatine has come to fill it. The Emperor says that he's here for healing, which seems presumptuous of him given that that's not a dark side power no (laughs) they tell palpatine that his clone body cannot be healed and he should join them and enter the world of darkness beyond all dying but palpatine's afraid of the dark side miasma that awaits him after death instead palpatine commands him to help him find the jedi children so he may live they show him a vision of anakin on the falcon near the onderon system and palpatine thinks if he takes the body over He will be a mere child, and someone will need to watch over him as he grows. 
the dark Jedi that are with Palpatine say they'll take care of baby Palps. He says he doesn't trust them, but that he has no other choice and orders them back to the ship. Okay. Have fun changing the diaper of Emperor Palpatine. Just kill it. Just kill the child. (laughs) On the Falcon, Leia is reading a Jedi book about battle meditation. DPO is helping her decipher the language. Classical awesome. And Vima is helping her understand its meaning. Vima says that Leia unknowingly used elementary battle meditation against the Emperor and says that Leia has the natural ability that Vima's ancestor, Nomi Sunrider, had. Holland says they've almost arrived and it's time to put the book away for now. They're in for a rough landing. However, Leia senses the Emperor's approach and says he is here for Anakin. Leia says that he sees them, but through the Force she is able to interrupt his spying. Palpatine then orders for their ship to be taken. At that moment, the Eclipse 2 exits hyperspace and grabs the Falcon with a tractor beam. But Han and Chewie have a new maneuver they've been just waiting to try out for this exact situation. Han takes the helm while Chewie boosts the acceleration and arms the Arakid missiles. They fire the missiles directly into the tractor beam, freeing the ship. Unfortunately, the hyperdrive was damaged. So it fa- always is. The Falcon doesn't have a good hyperdrive. It has a great one. Just an inconsistent one. It gets bumped, and it's like, ah, peace, I need a nap. (laughs) So the Falcon can only fly away for now. The Emperor has lost them in the aftermath of the explosion. Palpatine is not happy. When is he not? Yeah, it's just not even a statement that bears repeating. And electrocutes the underling, who he blames for letting them get away. This actually reminds me a little bit of Thrawn. Thrawn was not happy. (laughs) And when he had um, his Nogri kill him. Yeah, when he had Rook kill... The tractor beam operator. Yeah. It's always the tractor beam operator. Then, at that time, he let the tractor beam operator live. Yeah, because he was smart. Yeah. And not stupid. The Falcon arrives on Onderon and goes to the great walled city of Eases. They get the ship fixed, but the Emperor ship is in orbit searching for them so that he can't leave the planet right now. Modon Kira says the people of Onderon will help them. Their ancestors have fought beside the Jedi since the time when Master Arca helped save them. Han asks Chewie to take the Falcon and jump to hyperspace. Hopefully Palpatine will be fooled and just chase them. Vima says she'll go too, and her presence in the Force will help to sell the deception. The Falcon is able to get by the Eclipse 2 and its fighters, but Palpatine can sense the deception and knows that only Vima is on board. Palpatine's like, I'm the master of deception. You can't deceive me. The Emperor commands the shuttle take him to the surface so he can go and get the Jedi body for himself. Creepy. On Ondren, Han, Leia, and the rest are taken to a refuge outside the city in the vast wilderness of the planet. Han is not happy about their travel arrangements. <laughs> They're just riding on the backs of these great beasts. Another person who hates organic life forms. <laughs> Chewbacca meets back up with Luke and Lando and gives his report. Luke is disturbed that Palpatine has found them, but also says that this is their best chance to capture the Emperor. Capture? For not why? Kill. Murder him. This, I think they're finally getting Luke's characterization right. He's going to capture. That's what a Jedi would do. It's too late for that. <laughs> He's going in the opposite direction, development-wise. He started at a point where he was going to kill the Emperor, right? Mm-hmm. And he has now descended to a point where he only wants to capture the Emperor. It should have gone the other way. It should have escalated. You should st- start with trying to use non-lethal force. But he's clearly too dangerous to leave alive, so you should escalate. I feel like this is one of those things, like, 
again, if this had been a longer series, we could have spent more time with Luke. Because, like, Luke is not a major part of these no, two issues. not at all. <laughs> so we could have seen more from Luke's perspective and see him reach the decision that he should capture rather than kill. And I think that could have been an interesting journey to see for him. I guess. I just don't understand what the purpose is of capturing Palpatine. You're just creating a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I think for anyone else, yes, capture. But for Palps... Also, he's going to die anyway. Yeah, capture and wait for him to die. I guess. If that's the plan, that's fine. It seems cowardly, but... <laughs> Apparently, the Alliance has stolen a Leth energy cage and an old Imperial dungeon ship and hope to use them to hold Palpatine. I misread that as a Leth energy cape. These are, of course, what I believe Luke was held in, in Dark Empire, issue number two. Mm-hmm. Hours later, the plan has been made, and the Rebellion is off to Onderon. Whee! They attack the Eclipse 2, but it's just a ruse to cover the Falcon and Jedi Explorer 2 as they board the massive ship. The Jedi's task is to capture Palpatine. But they realize the Emperor is not on board the ship, so Luke heads for the planet, while Cam and the others in the Falcon will try to board the ship. Seeing Luke coming to the planet, Han and Modon Kira head back to the spaceport on a flying reptile to meet them. Luke and the Jedi storm the Emperor's shuttle, but he's not there. Instead, they find a dark Jedi masquerading as Palpatine in the Force. Han knows where Palpatine is going. Dun dun dun. Palpatine pretends to be an old man who needs help, and by tricking Lady Kira with the Force, is granted access to the Kira Fortress. Another dark Jedi is with him. Leia is hiding in this fortress with the children. The old man is brought to Leia, and she instantly recognizes the Emperor for who he is. Because it's... Obvious. Obvious. Because he was much younger in Dark Empire 2, but as his body has just kind of degraded, it has aged significantly in a very short time. I would also think that the closer you get to him, the easier it is to sense his malevolent energy. Probably. Especially now, when he's apparently lost all semblance of decorum. Cam, Lando, and Chewie have made their way onto the Eclipse 2. X-Wings attack and retreat, keeping the fight going and helping to cover for the Falcon. The Empire thinks they're just scared of the Shadow Droids. Leia uses the Force to push Palpatine, always pushing the old man. But he then shocks her with Force Lightning. He uses so much power that it will kill him, so he quickly grabs Anakin to forestall that. But Lady Kira grabs the child from him, and Brand rushes in. He calls for Luke. But Palpatine then strikes a fatal blow against Brand, recognizing him as one of the few to escape the ex- extermination. He isn't dead yet, but he soon will be. The others arrive, and a fight breaks out, with Palpatine killing Rafe as well, though that happened so quickly that until later when they said that Rafe was dead, I just thought he got a little shock. I mean, it's just one panel. Like, you can't stand up to one, one shock time. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing how weak the Emperor now is, Luke orders him to surrender. Instead of surrendering, because he's obviously not going to do that, he dives for Leia, who has recovered Anakin at this point. Protecting his wife and son, Han shoots Palpatine in the back, killing him. Or at least mortally wounding him. But Palpatine uses his last bit of energy to channel his life force towards Anakin. But Brand, barely alive, dives in front of the child, and Palpatine's spirit enters him instead. Dag nabbit. And then Brand... Holds him in, and they both die together. Poor Brand. Yeah. It's a good heroic death. It is. Luke is saddened by the loss of Brand and thinks if Cam dies too, he's not sure if he'll be able to restart the Jedi. And you know, given the way things are going, maybe that's for the best. Luke doesn't think that. No. That's just my color commentary. 
On the Eclipse 2, R2 has bypassed the bridge and taken control of the nav computer and hyperdrive. He's at a new course for the ship, and they all run for the Falcon. But the Eclipse 2 jumps to light speed before the Falcon can detach from its hull. At this, the Empire has targeted 50 rebel attack groups, and the Galaxy Gun is ready to take them out. Umak left tells them to contact the Emperor and inform him that they are ready to attack. He's told they can't raise Palpatine, you know, being dead and all. He knows that if he fires, he could be lauded for the initiative or killed for it. He takes the risk and orders it to fire in- instead. I mean, that's in character with the person who has made all of this weaponry. Yep. He's a risk taker. But before the gun can fire, the Eclipse 2 emerges from hyperspace, heading right for it. The Eclipse 2 hits the galaxy gun, causing it to misfire into the planet below. The Falcon detaches and flies away as the Emperor's flagship, his superweapon, and capital are all destroyed in one massive explosion. The story ends with Chewie saying, Long live the New Republic, one of the few times in Star Wars that we are ever told exactly what he's saying. So before we get to the likes and dislikes, we first want to talk about a little bit of what we think is missing from this story. Because again, it was two issues. It feels like it should be longer. It probably would have been six issues, like Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2. We've already mentioned a couple of things. What do you think was missing? Common sense. Fair enough. But from the story <laughs> itself. like I think that actually there's a big Palpatine subplot that's missing. His descent into desperation and anger happened way too quickly. Mm-hmm. I think he would have, in a six-issue run, attempted more backup plans before targeting Anakin as his body successor. Or targeting Anakin while at the same time doing his other backup plans. He's always doing five things at once. Yeah, yeah. I just think maybe there was more to be done on Korriban. Yeah, I, I think I think there was more to be done there with the Sith Lords. Yeah. I really do. Or like we already mentioned, like you know, Luke is barely in this. Mm-hmm. There was a lot with him, like why he's choosing to capture rather than kill Palpatine. I think that wasn't here. Yeah. And also, I, I think the most egregious thing that's missing, and the most obvious thing to me that screams this was supposed to be longer is Chief Akko. He and the other two are still in Carbonite when this series ends. Oh, well. <laughs> like, that more than anything else screams, there should have been more to this series. Yeah, it's just kind of dangling. You mentioned before that Sala and Shug are completely absent. Yeah, so is Boba Fett. I mean, last we saw him, he got shot out of a gas cloud, so maybe he's dead. Maybe. That one doesn't seem as egregious to me. It, that one doesn't seem as egregious, but it does seem odd. You, know, you bring him back for two-thirds of the trilogy, and then just drop him for the final. Sure, why not? <laughs> you bring him back for the first act of Return of the Jedi and then drop him into the Sarlacc pit. Fair enough. Characters of his scope are tools rather than plot drivers. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That doesn't seem weird to me. Okay. Sala and Shug seem super weird to me because last we saw them, they were on Biss. Helping the Fomenting their own little rebellion. <laughs> or like, well, I understand this, but I, I don't, was Wedge even mentioned? In this, I honestly don't know. I don't think so. Like he had a pretty major role in the first in Dark Empire, Dark Empire Two. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have spent a lot more time on Asus. Yeah, with the Asana. Yeah, maybe that would have been the place where Luke decides to capture rather than kill Palpatine for some reason that he found in the library, particularly about like doctrines of the light side versus the dark. Rafe's death, I think, could have been. Less short. <laughs> yeah. Show more, more than one panel of him getting shocked. <laughs> uh, like I said at the time, more time spent on Nespus 8. A mm-hmm. really cool location, I think. Could see more of that. Yeah. 
more time on Onderon, maybe. Yeah. Onderon's a really cool planet that we see a lot of in other comics and the Clone Wars, but it's it's not a lot here, unfortunately. So on the one hand, I feel like a lot of threads ended up being really clipped or they're just dangling. But on the other hand, I didn't exactly want it to be drawn out. So, yeah, like there are certain things like I think the Rise of Skywalker is a good example. I wanted that to be longer because I think it would make the story better to explain things better or not, be, not better enough to justify the additional two hours of my life I or make it a two parter. For this one, I'm like, eh, I would like it to be longer so I can get the complete, the true complete story, but I'm more okay with this one. It felt like they just needed to put a bow on it. Yeah. Just call it done. Move on with their lives. Yeah. Sometimes you, get, you just gotta stop. It's true. Just gotta close it up. Move on to the next But that thing. is not how Star Wars works. <laughs> you don't stop. No. The wound is always open. So, what'd you think of this one? What'd you like about it? Did you like anything about it? I don't know if I did. Did you dislike there are definitely anything? Definitely certain <laughs> moments I really liked, but on overall this is disappointing. And I, I think a lot of it comes from how rushed it was. So at only two issues long, it's significantly shorter than Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2. And I think it, it really does suffer for it. Like we said, Sala Zen and Shug Dings are both just completely absent after playing important roles in the previous two series. I have to think if this series had been as long as the other two, they would have been back. And things just it wouldn't have felt so rushed to get to the end and get through with this story. Yeah, I felt the same way. The ending felt super duper rushed. <laughs> I got to the end and I was like, really? This is where we're stopping? Okay. Basically, as suddenly as the Empire rose again, it fell again. I didn't want them to draw it out. Like, have mercy. I didn't want to experience more of this. But it did just seem like if we're going to go along with the established narrative that the Empire has this incredible hold on the galaxy again, then the removal of that hold was all wrapped up way too easily and neatly. Yeah. Agreed. What was the point of bringing them back if there weren't going to be lasting consequences that we can see? Like, yes, the Rebellion in the New Republic was weakened. And yes, Luke has lost some Jedi, but honestly, he ends still net positive for Jedi pals compared to where the series began. And starting from the bottom is nothing the New Republic hasn't done before. It'll probably be faster this time. In total, it just seemed like a weird retelling almost of the original trilogy. Weird and worse, rather than a natural progression of the story. Yeah, like I think there's a natural progression of the story bringing Palpatine back, but this wasn't it. It's not natural. <laughs> it's supernatural. No, it's uh, clearly dark side stuff. Giving us access to abilities that I would consider unnatural. <laughs> While Rush, I really did like the conclusion of this series. Specifically, the Eclipse 2 crashing into the galaxy gun. I've always thought that was a fun way to take both out at the same time. That being said, the end of the overall conflict of the series just felt so sudden and almost and absolutely incomplete in many ways, especially after Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2. However, even with only two issues, I think a couple more pages to wrap up the story would have gone a long way to giving this a more satisfying conclusion. Like, I thought it was really weird that the ending shot was with this. Yeah. Like, and the galaxy gun, and not with the main trio. Yeah, agreed. Like, I feel like they should have reversed those two things or gone back to the main trio for a page. I mean, some, yeah, what, what they do sometimes in comics is they'll, if this is the end of a series, but they haven't had time to wrap everything up, they might make it a double-sized issue or even just like an extra five pages or ten yeah. pages. And that happens all the time. So 
I really wish they'd not a double size issue, but just, you know, five more pages. And I think this could have been not wrapped up completely satisfactorily, obviously. It wouldn't have felt it wouldn't have felt as abrupt. Yeah. It's like it just this boom, shoe goes end. Yeah. Han shooting and finally hitting a dark side user may have been the high point of this entire series for me. <laughs> Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, Empire Sun. He takes a shoot first and ask questions later approach to life. But when it comes against the Sith, it has backfired in the past. So it's nice to see it work this time. Oh yeah, easily my favorite moment of this whole series. Han finally shooting a dark side user successfully. It was also just a really fitting end for this cartoonish version of Palpatine. Like, it, yeah, but like we've seen him shoot Vader, Sabayoth, Palpatine... Like he it tries just it makes, all the time, it never works. It finally did. Yeah, and it makes sense that it's this Palpatine who has completely fallen to pieces, who lets Han get the drop on him <laughs> with a blaster. Yeah, the art of character faces I thought was much improved to me in these two issues. While still my favorite Star Wars art, I definitely prefer it to Dark Empire, Dark Empire Two. Like the facial features were a lot more distinct. Mm-hmm. One of our friends, when I showed her some of the art, was describing it in Dark Empire and Dark Empire 2 as everybody had Clint Eastwood's face, but like just different hair. <laughs> Whereas in this, they actually have not like super differentiated faces, more differentiated faces. They look more like themselves. Yeah. You can recognize the characters a lot easier. Yeah. While Palpatine looked quote unquote better in this run, because he looked actually worse, but and depicted more accurately. Anyway, um, his characterization was so much worse. I'm more familiar with the Palpatine who, even at his most desperate, always has a plan. Desperation is an emotion he feigns for onlookers to lure them into some trap. Like, think of how he acts like a dwindling dying man as Anakin and Mace are confronting one another over his feeble body. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's all just... That's all just theater. Yeah. <laughs> His out-of-control anger and his reliance on his lackeys to care for him while he inhabits child Anakin was not recognizable to me as the Palpatine I know. He was just increasingly unthreatening. It felt like he was flailing, just flailing wildly. I agree. Like I said earlier, maybe that would have worked a lot better if that had been longer. More progressive. Like, he starts off still in control of his various emotions and as he hits dead end after dead end we see more of a descent Mm -hmm. but just getting his first plan of all of his clones taken away to me is not like justification for his derangement (laughs) i really like the idea behind nespus 8 and i would like to see more of it it was sadly destroyed what was the idea behind it just this this ancient derelict city in space Ah. and it had just technology from practically every era Mm. And I, I really like the idea. I would love to see more of it. And again, if this had been a longer series, I think we would have. Yeah. And the art of that city was easily one of the high points for me in these, frankly, 14 issues. Like, I really <laughs> like the look and feel of this city in space. I would like more of it. Yeah, if they had had a little bit more space, I could see them discovering some interesting technological artifact that would be helpful to the Rebellion. Yeah. But. Sadly, no. So speaking of art, we've already talked about it a little bit, but what did you think of the art in these two issues? It was definitely better than Dark Empire and Dark Empire 2. I feel like it was either a noticeable jump in quality or it was just a change of the guard in terms of style. Mm -hmm. Like, it was less monochrome. Yeah, there was a lot more color. More color. 
facial features as discussed more recognizable though still sometimes a little cartoonish yeah i think for me the color thing i think the monochrome worked well for dark empire i think that was a choice they definitely made and i think it worked for the story they were telling like sometimes you want that kind of more flat color when you were telling a darker story i just would have done it differently the monochrome was extremely faded Mm. which didn't really like like i like a really rich darkness you know instead mm-hmm. of that like gray toned foggy darkness but yeah the art was definitely better in this more color the faces just had more detail yeah like, there was teeth <laughs> and they looked like teeth not just like flat lines i think i would say about it is that at least it was it was unobtrusive to me yeah i didn't get so snagged on Luke's soulless, bottomless, fathomless eyes. And really, to me, if the art is unobtrusive, I am perfectly fine with that. It makes it easier to enjoy the story. Yeah. If it's a good story. Which it's not. So, you know. Do you think it could have been if it was longer? I still no. No. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> I would have... The, the change in my criticism would have just been, well, at least they committed to their own premise. <laughs> and carried it out to the bitter end. But like there was no there was there was no additional issue number that could have sold me on this. No, no length, short nor long could have helped. And of course, got to talk about these are comics. Got to talk about the covers. Man, Luke's outfit is just getting weirder and weirder. So on the cover of issue number one, Luke is standing again with that pose of green lightsaber to the side, holding it up. He's got this the black clothing on up and like a white tunic over it. And the arms are still in the, like, Vader machinery. Yeah. So it's like what he wore in one of the covers of Dark Empire 2, but with a white tunic on top. I'm so confused. Leia is in her her Hoth crown braid and white jumpsuit. Her face does not look like her. No, it looks okay. And I think Luke and Hoth, they've been better Leia faces on other covers, I think. Yeah, probably. She's just really whited out. Like, the light source is really blowing out all of the definition of her face and han's just kind of looking up with a bit of a derpy look on his face yep that's han so luke's in the middle han and leia are behind him flanking him and then above all three of them is the missile fired from the galaxy gun presumably at espace 8 yeah and that thing it seems like han and leia are sort of looking at it yeah as the suggestion it's a it's a nasty looking piece of work it's spiky very spiky what are those spikes for <laughs> i don't know no one knows why would you need spikes? And then the cover for issue number two, the final issue, you've got Palpatine in the front, and he's holding up his left hand, and his right hand is kind of towards his waist, and he's firing force lightning from both of them. Mm-hmm. And behind him are all of his, uh, the Royal Imperial Guard. Thank you, the Imperial Guard are all behind him. And behind them, it looks like the Sith Lords from Korriban yeah. on their little thrones i i think i like this cover better than the first cover personally yeah probably a little silly but i really like the background here yeah his facial expression is something is something yep he has one he has a facial expression (laughs) dear listener i do not know what else to tell you (laughs) it's kind of like it is kind of like episode three when he's like leaning back and like on the windowsill, just like, eh. uh, Anakin. I'm doing the face like you can see me. 
You can't. But, you know, just imagine Palpatine in any way, shape, or form you wish to. (laughs) All right, so we're finally done. Empire's ends in our rearview mirror. Ugh, getting smaller by the moment. Dark Empire's done. Fading away. So here are the questions. Until it lunges out of the fire like Batman. Do you think we'll ever see Palpatine again in the EU, or is this it for him? Okay, so I have two answers to this question. I have the answer that I hope is true, and the answer that I fear is true. Do the fear first. I fear that we have not seen the last of Palpatine. Even though no more clones, his spirit died. Isn't his spirit just like lingering in some kind of dark side miasma in the afterlife, though? Fair. Like, what if somebody, let's just postulate, what if somebody scraped some Palpatine goo off the floor and decided that they really wanted to bring him back and they made a clone out of the goo? You telling me his spirit can't? Maybe. This is what I'll say. If someone really wants to bring Palpatine back, they'll figure out a way to do it. Fair enough. What if he... I think it would be the height of foolishness. (laughs) I think it would be irresponsible story writing. What if he wasn't brought back alive, but was like one of those long dead Sith Lords we saw on Korriban? Oh, as long as he's confined there and can't do anything. So you'd be okay with him appearing in that form? Yes. Okay. That's. I would almost be relieved so that you're he okay was with, trapped in a statue. So you're okay with him coming back in, after a fashion, but not fully alive, fully powered? I don't want to see him as a villain ever again. Okay. Even if you are, what if it was that kind of ghost dude pulling someone else's strings type thing? No. No? Okay. Didn't like it in the sequel trilogy, won't like it here. And what's your hopeful answer? Never again. Never again. No Palpatine. Boom. Let him linger in that dark side afterlife miasma. Let him marinate in it until there's nothing left. Please. Please for my sanity. Tom's going to have to commit me somewhere if I see Palpatine again. (laughs) What if... Someone I don't like that you're asking me a question right after I said that. Is pretending to be Palpatine. I'm so broken. <laughs> oh, poor thing. It would depend on who that someone was and ultimately how they differed from Palpatine. Okay. If I'm giving a grown up answer instead of just crying and moaning over here. <laughs> right. Can the Empire or anyone else? Ever top the galaxy gun for how it's both a terrifying weapon, but with such a silly name. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You give me enough sleep and coffee together, and I could probably come up with something scarier with a stupider name. Okay. Or sillier, I guess is how you put it. Like, Star Wars is just escalation. <laughs> and it's known for its silly names, let's be honest. Yeah, like... Death Star's kind of silly when you think about it. Oh, Yeah. It's just the Death Star is inserted so far back in my psyche yeah. that, like, it doesn't trouble me. But Galaxy Gun came into the picture too late for I mean, me. That's how Galaxy Gun is for me. <sighs> Not quite as well as the Death Star, obviously, but, you know. I do just think that Galaxy Gun sounds stupider than Death Star. I think it's the alliteration. It also should be the use of gun in Star Wars. Yes, actually, you're right. Yes, yeah. it's it's two things. It's anachronistic. 
We don't say gun in Star Wars. We say blaster or rifle or some other. No one says gun. People don't say gunpoint. They say blaster point. So yeah. that's problem number one is that it doesn't make sense. Wait, no, the they universe. do say gun. The guns, they've stopped. They do talk. They say gun when talking about larger, uh, larger weapons, not handheld. Things. I guess that's true. I still think it feels a little anachronistic because it's so rarely said. Fair. Sometimes I'm kept awake at night by the idea that Han says, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> because I keep trying to figure out, like, how does hell factor into the Star Wars universe? <laughs> there is an answer. Oh, my God. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is definitely the alliteration feels very comic-y to me. Yeah. Like, it's part of the whole... Death Star, Star Destroyer, they sound kind of funny, but there's also not the alliteration factor going on. It feels like, I don't know, like Doc Ock. Like, it feel it's in that vein, you know? And I am just not... I'm just not a superhero comics person. No, you're not. The level of grit absolutely does not matter. <laughs> I l- dislike both for different reasons. <laughs> So you've mentioned you enjoyed the art in this one more than Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2. Oh, exceptionally. Everyone didn't have the exact same face. So if Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2 had this art style, do you think you would have liked them a little more? Well, you wouldn't have had to listen to me complain about Luke's soulless eyeballs. So yes? As much. That's not to say that I particularly liked the art in Empire's End. I did find it much more unobtrusive. I thought it was better as well, especially like, it was easier to tell characters apart. There are times in Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2, where it's like, what am I looking at? In this one, it was a lot easier most of the time. I don't know that I would have liked them more because I don't see how that would change the story, it which change I the story. find simply tragic. <laughs> but I would have complained less about the art. All right. Do you think Cam will be able to help Luke rebuild the Jedi Order? This feels like such a pointed question. Well, because after, I think it was Bran's death in Empire's End, Luke is worried that Cam is the last Jedi left. And if he loses Cam, he's worried he won't be able to restart the Jedi Order. What is Leia? Chopped liver? In terms of someone who actually has prior knowledge of the Jedi Order and can actually help teach. What, so only people who have ever fallen to the dark side should be teaching a new generation of Jedi? I think these two should die also. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to let old things die. (laughs) Okay, Kylo Ren. (laughs) I mean, this is no, like, prediction, because I think the answer is simply yes. Like, I don't think there's anything to predict here. I think he will help Luke in some way. He's already helped in some way. But again, I think we need to go over this whole only people who have fallen to the dark side are apparently worthy of teaching the next generation of Jedi. It's less the dark side aspect and more that they have prior Jedi knowledge at a certain level to help train Leia up to that point. I don't know. I had to deal throughout this comic series with them constantly appending Jedi to all of Leia's other titles. So, like, is she a Jedi or not? I think she's well on her way, but will she be able to? Will she be able to what? Teach. If she is a statesman in the Republic. I don't know, and I'm trying to decide who's a worse teacher. The guy who got his education in a few weeks by a swamp frog? Or, like, 
a woman who has actually had like a long-term career that she is good at with like translatable skills like would she want to do it i don't know could she yes well what i could i mean does she have the time like is she actually able to because of how think of in the trilogy how much she's being run ragged even more pregnant that's what i mean not, it's not is she capable to, does she actually have the t- physical time to do so if she chooses okay i think everybody who's involved in this situation needs to decide what's more important is it training the next generation of Jedi, or is it keeping Leia as a statesperson in the New Republic indefinitely? Because, like, what is she... <laughs> okay, sorry to be mean. What is she representing? Alderaan is gone. <laughs> what if she takes over her mom off as the leader? That would just seem a little strange to me because of how young she is. I mean, if not her, who? Borsk? Akbar? Is Akbar part of the... I mean, he could probably become that if he if he wanted to try. But I don't think he would want to. At least someone like Borsk would want the job. Is the thing. So you need someone like Leia to counterbalance a Borsk. I guess, but I don't know. I simply don't know. Having played Coder, was it cool to see Corbon in another format? Yeah, I like Corbon. Spooky place. Love spooky places. You really do. In fiction only. Thank you. I can't even deal with my own house at night if I have to walk out into the dark living room. But in fiction, love a good spooky place. Love a haunted place. Love a messed up energy place. Speaking of a messed up spooky place, would you want to see Ondron again in a different story? Sure. Yeah. You like the planet? It was fine. Was there something weird about it that I should have noticed? There's a lot of things weird about it that we don't see in this story. Okay. This was another one of those questions that just seems too pointed. <laughs> so, in the makes me feel like you're asking it because you want to be able to point back to this recording when we get to a story with Onderon that I hate, and you can say no, but you wanted no. I am specifically asking because there are comics called Tales of the Jedi, which deal with the Jedi of thousands of years ago, and that tie in with Onderon and Korriban and other places. That's actually where those planets were first introduced. I'm pretty sure. No. Um, so Onron, one of the cool things is, do you remember the moon that was kind of briefly seen that the Eclipse 2 was orbiting? Sure. Onron and its moon actually get so close to the atmosphere's share and things can fly back and forth between the two. This was in Clone Wars as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Wait, was it in Clone Wars or am I thinking of Andron, the Bane the planet, trilogy? It was in Clone Wars. Uh, Sagrera. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've seen it in Clone Wars already, but would you want to go see it in other times? This feels so much like a trap, but sure. Okay. And if we ever do those comics, then we'll see you then. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. If Palpatine had succeeded in entering Anakin's body, what do you think would have happened? I guess we just have to kill a baby. <laughs> <laughs> would Han have been able to shoot his own son? Um, I mean, it's not your son at that point, right? Yeah. Like, a baby's not going to stand a chance against... Palpatine's marination. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it would be very difficult, I, if not impossible, for Han and Leia to deal with the problem in that manner. So <sighs> I guess it it would have been bad. Yeah. 
I feel like you're asking me this because he actually is in there. No. Like some fragment of his soul, like a horcrux. I'm really afraid that Palpatine's going to come back in the future. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so afraid of this man now. <laughs> More afraid of him than I ever was before and for such a different reason. <laughs> it's like the specter that's lurking behind me at all times. <laughs> Will I be able to convince you to read more Star Wars comics in the future, or is that a no-go after this storyline? Hang on, I just had a different thought about the previous question. (laughs) (laughs) Palpatine's clones had the whole problem of they couldn't hold his terrible miasma form. Like, they would degrade quickly, right? It seemed like even his original body had degraded over time. So honestly, if he entered a baby, who's to say that the baby wouldn't just die? Fair, although with how strong Anakin appears to be in the Force, I feel like he would probably survive, but I don't think it's a guarantee. That's a good point. But I don't, I, he might not insta-die, but I don't know that he would survive indefinitely. Yeah. So, sure. maybe if we start to see, like, a certain sickliness creeping up around Anakin as time goes on, we should consider that Palpatine made it in there. If Palpatine did make it in there, is he even, like, conscious in there? Or, like, the spirit of what Palpatine was in there? Like, it's now six-month-old Anakin, or however old he is, like, knows everything Palpatine knew, or is he a baby? No. I think he, well, at least he seemed to think he would be a baby. Like, he would not retain. I I kind of took it as, like, he had the, we'd help us as a baby, but still know things, possibly. This is veering into, like, boss baby territory. (laughs) (laughs) For fear of this actually happening in the future and me having to read it i could see an outcome where their you know whatever you want to call it their soul their spirit whatever the two of them become so tightly intertwined that like it's not really palpatine anymore it's a new anakin not even really a uh like dual-sided fusion like that but like a true fusion it's just it's just another person and so maybe they won't grow up to be a genocidal maniac maybe even though essence of palpatine (laughs) was in there okay and then about the comics question um you could convince me to read more I don't think it was the format in particular that made this story so bad. It's just the storyline itself. The story was just bad. If you present to me another comic written by Tom Beach, I will say, are you sure? <laughs> are there others? Yes, he has written others. Earlier I mentioned Tales of the Jedi, so he wrote some of the Tales of the Jedi, stuff about the Freedom Nat Uprising, Dark Lord of the Sith. Um, basically, he wrote stuff primarily that was thousands of years ago i think if i remember correctly some of this is actually about the sith war that they've referenced several times in this comic run i mean i'll read it but unfortunately he's going to be starting with me at the at at hostile like he's gonna have to do some really good diplomacy checks to get me up from hostile to even indifferent well keep my he was one of the writers of greedo's tale which you did enjoy that's a pretty interesting story, both agreed. It was certainly better than this. Has your opinion of Greedo's Tell dropped after the series? No. Okay. I don't think so, but I am just like I will be I will be skeptical. 
Like, burn me once, shame on you, but burn me twice, shame on me. I go into this with eyes open. I will be on a swivel for anything (laughs) that stinks of, like, any weird stuff I don't like. I will be unforgiving. Fair enough. (laughs) I'm a tough customer. Sometimes. (laughs) Well, that wraps up Empire's End and the Dark Empire Trilogy. Congratulations, you made it through. Oh my god, I feel like I lost brain cells. Really? Yeah, I do. That's fair. It's not the only thing I've ever read that's made me feel that way, for sure. Just... Not the only Star Wars thing that you've... No, certainly not. But, like, it was particularly heinous, in my opinion. Next up, we will be reading Soups on the Pipe Smoker's Tale in Tales from the Most Isley Cantina, written by Jennifer Roberson, and that will be published on July 17th. Catch us then. Thanks, Thomas, for editing. And thanks to Crystal for coming up with this crazy idea. And thanks to you for listening to me gripe about this for three whole episodes. <laughs> you can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com if you share my disdain for this comic run. Please back me up. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> or you can follow us on Twitter at tk331podcast. If you like listening to me complain about things and Tom try to explain them to me in a way that makes it more acceptable to me. You could tell a friend. You could share it on social media. Uh, What else could you do? You could just, you know, rent a billboard. Put the message up on a billboard. Pricey. It does sound pricey. Please don't spend your hard-earned dollars on that. I mean, if you do, I'm grateful but ashamed uh you could also leave us a rating and or review on apple podcasts just don't break the streak because right now we only have five star reviews and i want to maintain that for as long as possible (laughs) and now here it is your moment of star wars you think you have won if i'm annihilated my curse will be upon skywalker blood forever luke Palpatine will die with me. He will never return. The Force and all the Jedi who went before us will make sure of that. Goodbye, my friend.